Father, we just want to thank you this evening for being our God. Thank you for your goodness and your mercies that will follow us and accompany us. And thank you because we are not afraid of what the enemy will do to us. Because we understand that your goodness and your mercy accompanies us everywhere we go. This evening, we just want to thank you again for your blessings upon us. We thank you because of your grace, your peace, your joy that is present for us, even in spite of everything that is going on. We thank you, O oh Lord, because we see our world. We see our world with the eyes of faith because we know that your goodness and your mercies are following us irrespective of what is going on around us. Therefore, Father, we are settled, we are rested in your peace and in your grace and in your mercy. We bless you. We give you praise. Thank you because you will breathe afresh on your word this evening, O God, in the name of Jesus. That as we listen, you will help us to be able to do that which we need to do, O God, and appropriate that which you need to appropriate. Help us with the spirit of the word, not the letter of the word. Because we know that the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Father, we just want to thank you, O God, because this evening there will be an express uh, ministry of the spirit of your word tonight. Yes. We give you praise and we bless you. We glorify you. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Good evening and welcome to our midweek refuel service. And um, I don't know how many, of you, how many of you joined us on Sunday, but I just want to thank God for that time of praise and worship that we just set aside to just worship him and just bless him for all that he is doing. That irrespective of what is going on, we are still enjoying the peace of God. We are still enjoying the grace of God. We are still enjoying the love of God. It has not taken a vacation. And we just want to thank him. I just want to encourage you just keep praising God, giving him time of praise and worship and adoration because God is up to a lot of good in your life. He said, I know my thoughts towards you. They are thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. We just want to thank him and we bless him for all that he's doing. But this evening, I just slightly want to, you know, uh, uh, move a little bit and just help us to understand something. If you know our church very well, you will understand that our um, vision is uh, uh, building strong family that will serve global communities, all right? And I just want to, because before I go there, I just want to uh, uh, help us to understand that from time to time, we need to be able to take the temperature of whatever it is that we're involved in. And if you don't do that in, in, in organizations, they call it uh, evaluation. You want to evaluate what you are doing. You want to evaluate what is going on. You want to understand what is happening, whether you are on course or you are off course. And sometimes also in our spiritual life, from time to time, we need to make an evaluation or take an evaluation or do a test of where we are. That's why Jesus said, um, I mean, the scripture says, say, examine yourself. So I just want us to be able to examine ourselves and we want to examine ourselves based on what our vision states. And I'm not going to do all of our vision. I'm not going to talk about all our vision. I just want to take a part of it that concerns a lot of you that are looking at or everybody that's you know, watching this evening. And that is the area of building strong families. And I just want to ask you one question this evening. If you take an examination of your family, can you declare that you're a strong family? Can you say, my family is strong? Can you declare that we are living the vision of our church? 
Just take a moment. Think about it. Because so many things are going on during this period of Corona, and we're hearing that, you know, marriages have been affected. You know, now that people are coming together, husbands and wives have to stay together. They are finding some challenges living together. So they, they, they are coming to realize that a lot of things that they thought, a lot of times that they thought they are strong, that things are going on well, it's just their job that has come in between to fill those gaps that are embedded within the marriage. And now that the jobs, the going out, the other activities are not there, those holes, those, um, those, those, those holes, those vacuums are being exposed. And then we're beginning to figure out that we probably are not as strong as we thought we are strong. But I want you to know that God wants you to be a strong family. He wants us to be a strong family. And to be a strong family is not just by word of mouth. You are not just going to say, oh, we are strong because we attend work fine. And our vision statement says that we are strong, we're building strong families. Therefore, because I'm a member of Workman, my family is automatically strong. It does not work that way. Now, because you are anointed, you're an anointed man of God. You have the grace of God. Things are working. You are prophesying. Miracles are happening in your life. You think it will automatically transfer into being a strong family? It's not. It does not work that way. But I want you to know today that you can build a strong family. And apart from building a strong family, you can be a strong family. One of the reasons why God was so interested in families, he told us, in, in, uh, he, told us it, he said it to us when he spoke to Abraham in Genesis 18 verse 19. In Genesis 18 19, Genesis 18 19, I just wanted to see what uh, it's like. For I have known him, that is Abraham, God is talking about Abraham now. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And if you read some other translations like uh, the message translations, it says, God wanted Abraham to bring up his children so that his promises will not just be fulfilled in Abraham alone, but to also be fulfilled in his children. What I'm saying is this, what the, the essence of what I'm saying is this, is that if we don't come together as a cohesive family, if we are very individualistic in the way we approach ourselves, the wife is strong, the husband is strong, the children are strong, but they are not strong together. That's the key. They are not strong together. Guess what happens? The promises of God that God has spoken concerning that family will not be fulfilled the way God wants it to be fulfilled. God wants Abraham and his family to come together so that the promises of God will be fulfilled, not just in Abraham, but in his children. If you look at the way it was fulfilled, God promised Abraham that I will make you great and I will make you the father of many nations. But we know that before the nation of Israel was created or was formed or came into real existence, Abraham was already gone. And therefore, the, do we say the promise of God was not fulfilled? It was fulfilled. But it was fulfilled in his children. The promises that God gave Abraham was fulfilled in his children. So what am I saying? I'm saying that what God has designed your family for is not going to be fulfilled by you alone. 
is going to be fulfilled in you, in your wife, and in your children. If you take your children out of the equation or remove your wife from the equation, what begins to happen is that you don't get the fullness of what the promises of God is. Like I said again, if you stand alone by yourself, you think you are strong, and automatically the promise of God concerning your family transfers to your family. It doesn't work that way. I'll give you examples from scripture. There was a man called Eli. Eli was a very successful priest when it comes to the service of priesthood. Eli was good. Eli was functioning, I mean, at the maximum potential. But the Bible in the book of 1 Samuel 2 tells us that his family was not okay. And so God, when God, if you, if you, read, uh, if you read 1 Samuel 2 from verse 12 down, you will figure out, you will see what I'm saying. God told him, he said, I intended before to fulfill everything that I've spoken through your children. But because your family was not cohesive, it stops with you. The promise of God stops with you. Because your children were not cohesive. I'll give you another example. Samuel, the Bible talks about Samuel in 1 Samuel 8, 1 to 12, that none of the word that Samuel spoke fell to the ground. In other words, every prophecy that Samuel gave came to fruition. But guess what? His family was not together. And God was not able to fulfill what he wanted to do. It was because of his children that the children of Israel rebelled. That's the primary reason why they rebelled. And they said, we don't want the children. Your children are bribe takers. They are not good. They are not showing good example. They are not living the life the way you are living the life. Even though you are good, we accept your ministry. We were blessed by what you did for us. We saw the hand of God upon your life. But we are not going to allow your children to take over from you because we don't trust them. Your family was not okay. All right? I'll give you another example. David. And if you look at this thing, if you look, if you, if you look at this sequence, Eli was Samuel's mentor. Samuel was David's mentor. And they passed on what they knew. Eli passed on what he knew to Samuel. And Samuel was fulfilling what, what uh, Eli was doing. Samuel passed on what David, what he knew to David. And David continued it. All right? If you look at David, as successful as he was, God said, you are the man after my own heart. I have found me a man after my own heart. But guess what? His family was not together. There was all kinds of crazy things going on there. Right? He had incest going on in his family. He was a man of war. But he could not win the war in between. He was a man that has killed his 10,000. You know, the Israelites, they would sing the song. They said, uh, they said Saul killed his 1,000. David killed his 10,000. All right? He was a warrior when it came to fulfilling what God has called him to do. But guess what happened? His household was in complete disarray. You know why? Because there was no cohesion within his family. So you had incest. You had uh, mutiny, a guy who was mutinous. You had, uh, you had somebody who was, who, all kinds of things were just happening in his family. Why? Because there was no cohesion in that family. Was David a strong man? Absolutely indisputable that he was a strong man. Yes. But was his family strong? No. 
In fact, God had to help him to be able to make a pass, I mean, to pass the, 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 the kingship to, to, uh, to uh, his son, Solomon. If not the intervention of Solomon's mother and said, look, you have said this. This has to happen. It wouldn't happen. There will be chaos all over the place. Is that the life you want to live now? You fulfill God's will outside. But you can't fulfill his mandate inside. I think this time of the corona is a time that we need to sit down and really do a temperature check. What is our family? How is our family going? What is happening within our family? Is our family strong? Are we fulfilling the will of God? Are we going on the way God wants us to go? What has God spoken to us? What has God told us that we need to do as a family? All right? Now, I want to go to some of the characteristics. After giving you all those preamble, I want to help us. What are the characteristics of a strong family? What do we need to look out for? When we say a family is strong, what do we need to look out for? How do we believe that the family is strong? What are we seeing? And I'm going to be able to discuss one, just one tonight with you tonight of what a strong family is all about. A strong family must have a strong vision. The problem with us many times is that we have a vision for our lives individually, we have a vision for our business, we have a vision for our companies, we have a vision for our church, we have a vision for uh, uh, our youth group, we have a vision for uh, our small groups, we have a vision for, we have a vision for everything, but the first component of social structure we don't have a vision for. What is God telling your family? What has God told your family? Why is your family existing? Your family is existing for a reason. There's something, there's a reason why God put you and your wife together and gave you either those two, three, four children or how many children there. There's a reason why you are existing. Have you sat down to find out and say to yourself, what is it that God has created us for? Why did we even come together? I mean, you could have married Sally somewhere and the other guy could have married Johnny somewhere. Why is it you? You could have had children that could be, you know, but why is it that God gave you these children? Why did he give you two, two boys and one girl or three girls or whatever? Whatever it is that God gave you. You need to think of all those things. There are reasons why God did that. Nothing just happens when it comes to the things of God. A strong family needs a strong vision. If you don't have a strong vision, you need to sit down with your family and revisit that. And ask yourself the question, why are we existing as a family? What has God called us to do? Why are we living? Why, why did God even bring us together in the first place? You need to ask yourself, ask your wife, ask yourself, ask your children, if we are to describe our families in one word or one sentence, what would that be? Because that's the most important question you might ask yourself as a, fam as a family. Who are we? What has God called us to be? But thank God in scripture, we have uh, a, a way of getting that. If you open to Habakkuk chapter two with me, just open to Habakkuk chapter two. Habakkuk. 
and I want to show you how important it is. Habakkuk. There are just three chapters in Habakkuk. Habakkuk should be after the book of Nahum, if you're looking at it. Habakkuk chapter 2. They're not scriptures that we look at very well. Look at what he said. He said, I will stand, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. All right, verse 2. Then the Lord answered and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. All right? For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but, it will, uh, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Here's what I want to give you a background of that book of Habakkuk, of how Habakkuk came to this in chapter 2. Habakkuk was a complaining prophet. That's how he started his, his book, his prophecy. And he complained and complained that, of how evil was happening, of how things were going on, of how things were not working, and how God, you're just making things, uh, making his eyes see evil and all of that. And one thing, the first answer that God gave him, God told him, he said, I will do a great thing, but you shall not know of it. In other words, sometimes God is doing something great in us, but we are not knowing it, we're not paying attention to it. Even as a family, things are happening. God is walking behind the scene, but we are not paying attention to it. So God answered him that way first. Then the second time again, he went to God and he complained. I'm from verse 1. If you go back home, read verse, sorry, chapter 1. Read chapter 1 until you get to chapter 2. And he kept complaining and kept complaining and kept complaining. Finally, he came to a point where he said, okay, instead of complaining, let me go before God and go and sit down at the feet of God and stand at my watch and pray and hear God speak to me. And when God was going to respond to him concerning his complaints, God did not say anything much more than, he said, write the vision. Because all these things you are saying, they have already been spoken by God. There's a vision that has been spoken. There's a vision concerning Israel that God has spoken. But Habakkuk, you are complaining because you don't understand the vision. If you know the heart of God, if you understand the mind of God, you will stop complaining. Because there's a vision. And that's why he said, though it tarries, it will speak. I mean, it will happen. It will not lie. You know why? Because God is not a man that he will lie. God is not a son of man that he will repent. If he has said it, he will do it. If he has spoken it, he will make it good. And God has spoken a vision concerning Israel. And as he released that vision, Habakkuk was oblivious of the vision of God concerning Israel. And that's why he began to complain. What am I saying? Let's interpose that upon our families. There are things that we will complain about. There are some things that we will not be able to reach. There are things that we will not be able to do. You know why? Because we don't have a vision. We don't know what God wants us to do as a family. We don't know why God bring us, brings us, brought us together as a family. For Abraham, God said, I will make you the father of many nations. And Abraham passed it on to every generation. Yes. That was God's vision for him, for his family. And so even, at, even though at the time of Abraham, the vision was not fulfilled, guess what? In the time of his children, it was fulfilled because they knew the vision of the family. They knew what God wanted them to do. They knew the mind of God and the heart of God concerning them. And listen, what I'm talking about vision, I'm not just saying, oh, you know, just go and get a fancy vision and all of that. No, I'm saying the vision I'm talking about is seek the face of God. 
why has God brought us together? Why are we together? Why are we a family? Why did I not marry somebody else? So if God brought us together, because we know from Scripture that what God has joined together, what God has, what God has joined together, let no man put us under, right? We know that God brings people. God is the ordinator of marriage. And if you ordained it and you found yourself together, I want you to know there's a reason why you are together. And the reason why we complain, the reason why we don't have direction, the reason why we don't know why God has called us, the reason why we still have some issues a lot of times is that we don't know who we are. We don't know why God brought us together. And therefore, there cannot be a cohesion between us, the husband and the wife and the children. You are not a strong family because you have been together for 30 years. That's not being a strong family. You are not a strong family because God has blessed you financially. That's not being strong. Being strong is knowing what God has called you to do and living what God has called you to do. You need to know that. You need to understand that. Knowing what God has called you to do and living that life that God has called you to do. A strong family needs a vision. Let me quickly uh, 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 run, run through this. All right? Um, look at what it said. Vision. What are, I've said, what are the characteristics of a strong family? And I say one of it, I'm going to share just one of it tonight, and it's, good, and it's that a strong family has a vision. All right? Now, let's, let's just look at what a vision is. Let's look at what a vision is, all right, when it comes to um, our family, all right? Number one, the vision for a family from God, the first thing it does is that it answers the question of your identity. Your vision answers the question of your identity. If you don't understand who you are, if you don't know who you are, right, you are just going to do anything and do anything. But a vision helps you to understand who you are. A vision helps you to understand what you're supposed to do. It helps you to understand your assignment, right? I remember one, uh, I remember one, uh, uh, is it, can I say testimony now or just, you know, a... Uh, something that happened that our pastor, Pastor Bank, you know, told us. He was doing this great work in northern Nigeria. He was with Bible League. I, I hope I'm getting it right. He was with, with the Bible League at the time, right? And he was doing this great work. And people were getting saved and getting born again and all of that. And in his own mind, which it's supposed to be what it, it should be like, right? In his own mind, yeah, let's put these people together. Let's get them a pastor. Let's make them so that they don't go away. They can be fed with the word of God and all of a sudden, instead of just going there preaching and, 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 and just distributing the Bible to them. And that brilliant idea came to his mind. And he went to the, uh, to the people at the Bible League that he was working with at that time. And he got to them. And when he got there, he told them, gave them the idea. They sat down. They listened to it. They looked at it. They, they did not argue with him. But they told him that is not what God has called us to do. As good as it was, it wasn't the vision of the organization. What does a vision help you to do? A vision helps you to streamline your activities. 
Too many times we are fighting too many things we should not be fighting. We are going where we should not be going. We are doing the things we should not be doing. Even though they are good. But we, there are things we shouldn't be doing. But because we don't have a vision, we are not collected. We are not together. We are just spread, scattered all over the place. And doing everything that just comes our way. In other words, which leads to number two points. The first one is a vision uh, solves the problem, it answers the problem of identity. All right? Number two, a vision helps you to sift your actions. You know what sifting is? So, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to explain that now. Yes, sir? Prioritize, exactly. That's the word. That's the word. That's the word. A vision helps you to prioritize your actions. All right? You can ask my wife. It's not everything. Sometimes she wants me to do a lot of things. Why won't you do this? Why won't you do that? Why won't you do this? And all of that. And I'll, I'll just sit down and relax. It's not in my poor view. Right? It's not in my poor view. I don't have to answer to everything. I don't have to do everything. Because that's not where I am. That's not my vision. My vision should help me to prioritize, to sift, to, 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 uh, to take away some things that are not necessary and look at things that are necessary. Because sometimes, like uh, Steve Covey said, he says sometimes we live our lives just doing the things that are urgent but not important. Uh, sorry, things that are urgent and important. But that is not the highest way to achieve, you know, the fullness of what God has called you to do. When every time you are just doing what is urgent and what is important. In other words, you, don't, you have not created priorities in what you are doing. The best way to be able to live according to the book, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people, is what? Is always doing those things that are important but not urgent. But you see, because of life, we turned it around. We do the things that are urgent and important. But we need to do the things that are important, but not urgent. In other words, example, quick example, just in our normal lives and all of that, you don't have to be sick to start exercising. It is important, but it's not urgent. But at some point in the future, it might be urgent, you might need it. But because you have taken care of it right behind, right, you end up going to life, going, living your life and enjoying the, you know, your life as it, as it goes. All right? So until you have a vision, you cannot come to that place where you are doing things that are important but not urgent. We have this fire brigade mentality in the way we do things, in the way we approach things, in our families, in our lives, right? The fire brigade thing is, it's urgent, it's important. We need to take the fire out. We need to stop this fire. We need to do that. But in the process of doing that, there are so many things that get damaged. The fire service is good, but it'll bring some damage that you need to take control of later on. Amen. And that's why you need a vision to be able to help you to separate the things that are important, but not urgent. So that you don't just keep, in, you don't just keep on doing the things and just keep on running and all of that. And, and quickly, finally, I will go to the last one. A vision, right, is like a signpost on your journey of life. Whenever you're traveling, you see signposts. You see signs. It tells you, welcome to whatever. Oh, 15 miles to, um, uh, you're 15 miles away from wherever you're going. All right? It's supposed to be a signpost. So let's say you're headed, uh, you're, you're headed uh, 
uh, you're, you're headed to Florida. If you're going to Florida, most likely you're going to go 75, 75 south, right? Am I correct? Yeah, you go 75 south, most likely. There are other channels you can go through, but you go 75 south, all right? And as you keep going, you keep seeing those cities. You keep seeing signposts that are telling you, that are helping you to know that you're on your way to Florida. Am I correct? But if you go 75 north, you are going to see signposts, but they're not going to be what is directing you to Florida because that is not where signposts, you are going to Chattanooga or wherever you are going there on 75 north. All right? And sometimes we have misplaced visions. Because we don't have our vision for our families, we begin to go to Chattanooga rather than going down to Pensacola. But if you have a vision, it becomes a signpost that guides you to where you're going so that you know your destination. You will know when you arrive at your destination. And that is what God wants for us, for our families. I want you to know that God wants you. There's an end for you. He said, I know my thoughts towards you. They are thoughts of good and evil. Are not, and, uh, they are thoughts of good and evil. Uh, they are thoughts of good and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. And another translation said to bring you to an expected end. God has an expected end for our families. And the way we can see into the expected end, even in the present, is through the vision that he has given us. And that's why we need a vision as a family. We need to be able to sit down and talk to ourselves and say, what is that thing that God has called us into? This is both for uh, uh, young families, uh, middle-aged families, whatever family, you are, whatever level of life or whatever phase of life you are in. You need to be able to sit down if you don't have one and form a vision. And if you have one, you need to go back and recalibrate if there's need for it. Recalibrate that vision. Look for it. Update it. Make sure that vision is within the context of what the will of God for your life is as a family. And if you do that, you're on your way to being a strong family if you are not already there. Thank you so much and God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to pray for families tonight. Every family that is listening to me in the name of Jesus, your will is that we should become strong families, just like you have commanded us in this church, that we should build strong families. Father, we have learned this evening that vision is one of the things that helps us to be able to, bring some, to build strong families. And in the name of Jesus, as we begin to navigate our way through the paths of life, you help us to be able to find time to be able to come together and to be able to uh, either build our visions, recalibrate our vi the visions for our family, or do the necessary for the visions of our family so that we can begin to go on that direction if we have not started of being that strong family that you want us to be. And to the glory of your name, Jesus will be glorified in our families and in our lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. I just want to appreciate God for you this evening. Thank you for uh, uh, joining us and listening to us. I want you to understand that uh, we still have other uh, services on Friday, uh, 12 noon, we'll be here uh, responding to Corona through our time of prayer. And then on Sunday, we have our celebration service at 10. We still want you to uh, join us online because we're coming to you online live next Sunday. And as you do that, we believe that the word of God will be coming to you strongly. We bless God for you. We thank you. See you on Friday. Amen.